is this thing on? Welcome to Voice Podcast, the podcast for students by students. So today I'm joined by Jessica Penner. Did I pronounce your name right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you are a prof for one of the online courses, correct? Yes, yes. Of course, it's always online, not just because right. of COVID. Yes. Right, it's always online. Yeah, and I took that program last year um, and I really liked it and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about it. It's called Field to Fork, right? Yeah, local yeah. and global food systems as well. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So, so today I wanted to delve into this topic a little bit of food sustainability, how we can eat sustainably, how we can do that, especially as a student and if you're on a budget and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself first, how you got into this, why you're the prof for this course, mm-hmm. um, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I have been teaching this course or a variation of this course for 11 years, actually. Um, it's It started as a part of a, a continuing education certificate program at St. Lawrence College um, in sustainable local food. This was the int- this was the intro class to a, cert- a whole certificate on this uh, sort of general topic. And then maybe six years ago, it got brought into the regular college course stream as a as a gen ed so um yeah here we are um i got into this a long time ago um in an undergraduate course uh started learning about local food got really interested in it uh focused my master's research on policy related to uh sustainable agriculture and um essentially resolving hunger um, in developing countries. And then um, after way too long in school and having only skills related to writing papers, um, I decided that I should uh, maybe branch out a little bit as well as I was kind of uh, a little bit done with academia at that point. So um, I spent some time in a program where I was learning about growing food and um, working on a farm. It was actually a school program. uh, So it was like a nine month schooling where you you delve into like how to actually how to do it. So uh, that was also after working with farmers and feeling a bit disconnected on how to sort of speak their their language. Right. Uh, I felt like needed a little bit more hands-on experience. It was also a bit like you know throughout all this you kind of that like I want to do my own thing right and I had no yeah. skills to do that. So uh, so part of it was just wanting to learn that. And right. now I live on an 11 acre piece of land out near Peterborough. Um, and uh, we're, I mean, my partner and I, we both work full time. We have little kids, so we don't do as much farming as we originally planned when we right. came out here. But uh, but we, uh, yeah, we grow food and have fruit trees and constantly trying to make the, make the land a little bit better. Nice. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Okay. So let's talk about the benefits of a sustainable food system and like, what does that even mean? First of all, why don't we, why don't we start there? What, what is a sustainable food system? How would you kind of sum that up? Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that, uh, that it comes down to is that resources are limited, right? We live on a planet with finite resources. There is only so much land, so much water, so much, um, 
uh, so many trees, all of those sorts of things. And what we're, I think what we're seeing today with climate change and a loss of biodiversity is that we're not really taking into consideration that we need to use those resources in efficient ways and um, really help protect what we have. Because uh, alongside that, we have a population that's growing. Um, so we need to be more efficient with how we, how we use those resources. So when it comes to uh, you know, what is a sustainable food system? It's one that helps uh, reinvest into the land and helps sort of build the resources as opposed to deplete them, um, which is the system that we have been relying on, I think, now for a, like a long time. Um, of course, there's always been lots of pockets of sustainability, um, right. as there still are today. Uh, but as a whole, it's not one that, you know, we... Uh, when you look at, again, back to climate change, those are, you know, they refer to those as externalities. They're things that don't get, that don't get incorporated into the cost of food. So they right. don't get considered. Right. Same with transportation, just because something is, you know, created on the other side of the world, if it's cheaper there, well, then that's better. And right. so we don't think about what that might be doing to that the land that's over there or the, the, what it, what energy it takes to get it over here. Right. Um, really the, the driving force is, is fun is sorry, finances. Yeah. Um, yeah. So off. give me a specific example of that. The worst one that you know of a food that comes from someplace in the world, some other place in the world that we can buy in our grocery store here in Canada. Well, uh, I don't know if I'm going to give you the worst one, but this was one that I, uh, <laughs> I, I used to, I, I did my graduate work in uh, Nova Scotia. Yeah. And so, okay, this isn't the other side of the world, but this is just yeah. in terms of inefficiency. And, yeah. and this, this maybe breaks down some of the things that people actually think about our local food system as well. So um, I was working with farmers in Nova Scotia. Uh, we were talking about distribution and things like that and so um there were uh, local apples that were being sold that were being grown in nova scotia being sold in nova scotia great you know that looks really efficient but they were actually before being sold in nova scotia they were shipped to ontario for inspection <laughs> and then shipped back to Nova Scotia and sold as local Nova Scotian apples. Right. And it, I mean, it's true. Yes, they were grown in Nova Scotia, right. but like the, that somehow was more more efficient to ship right. apples, which are super heavy too and big yeah. Yeah. Uh, all the way to Ontario because whatever inspection agency was based there. So, right. I mean, I don't yeah, know. That's ridiculous. And it's, I mean, and this, I think this highlights the difficulty of, of making good choices as well, because, um, you know, you, you, you look at, the, uh, say a local Nova Scotian person looks at that apple and they can see, you know, maybe it's got a label from a local farm. They're like, yeah, that's just down the road. Right. But, but how many people know that that apple actually got shipped and it actually would have been more efficient to buy an Ontario apple that didn't yeah. have to travel both directions. Oh, right. Um, right. And uh, so ironic. Yeah. It's just, I mean, 
this yeah, is, I think example. this is the complexity of the system and it's really challenging and it can be overwhelming, especially, I mean, part of me has had a hesitancy to sharing that story because, you know, it overwhelms people when they hear yeah. things like that and they're like, how sure. are we supposed to sort that out? Right. right. Like, and then they I just give up. Right. And they give up. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. and I get that because it is complicated. Um, so it's, yeah. yeah, I run into that with nutrition all the time too, because I'm a holistic nutritionist. So the, I mean, just do what you can do and take little steps. Right. So, yeah, so, and if you, if you don't know about the apples being shipped, then you can't do anything about it. That's fine. But right, now you exactly. you know, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. alleviate your own guilt on that and just do your best. Um, yeah. But I'm often, when I shop now, after taking the course, I really think about this stuff and um, and to be honest, I thought I was doing pretty well with, with eating close to home and, you know, shopping sustainably. I mean, I have, um, friendships and partnerships with local organic farmers and there's a food store out in Verona, which isn't very far from where I live. And she's a local farmer that lives five minutes down the road from me. And I used to, you know, buy a side of beef from her every year. And so I was, I was doing all of that. But what I didn't realize was because I, I try to eat organic food a lot of the time. But I was relying on a lot of organic produce shipped from California. Yeah, yeah. So because there's just not, especially in the grocery store, it's yeah. getting better now, especially places like Farm Boy where they're trying to bring in more local organic stuff. But to do organic, yeah. um, most of the time I was buying stuff from California. And, and by the same token with the apples, okay, now it's been in storage for how long has it, since it's been harvested, now it's been sitting somewhere in a warehouse, on a truck, mm -hmm. and the nutrient, oh. yeah. you know, quality goes down with every day after harvest, right? In some cases, it might increase a little bit with ripening of certain nutrients, but in general, we're losing yeah. nutrients, you know, the longer it takes for us to eat it. Um, so that was important for me to recognize, okay, maybe sometimes it would be smarter for me to buy the grown in Ontario, um, non-organic, than it would to buy the organic ship from California mm -hmm. um, or sometimes even Mexico. And I, I've always warned clients about buying organic stuff from Mexico because the standards, I don't know what their standards are for organic. Um, mm -hmm. I haven't looked into that, but if you can buy a law degree in Mexico, so I don't know if you can, <laughs> if you can buy an organic <laughs> certification, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I haven't looked specifically into their regulations or, right. or so how when, they verify even, um, that the farmers are following the, the rules that, right. So, so, yeah. So, so that's one of the things that changed for me is I will look more, um, and the Environmental Protection Agency in the U.S., they print a list every year of the dirty dozen and the clean 15 or something of the foods yeah. that are most important to buy organic mm -hmm. and, the, and the ones that probably don't matter as much. Mm -hmm. um, so if it's on that list of the ones that don't matter as much and I can get it locally, mm -hmm. um, now I'm going to do that instead of buying organic that's been shipped from California. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's definitely a good, uh, a good approach. And like you said, uh, if you're making those relationships with the farmer down the road, then you can have that conversation because a lot of farmers don't um, get organic certification. Right. That doesn't mean that they're doing you know, they're putting terrible chemicals on their food, exactly. right? Like it doesn't, uh, it might just mean that it's too much paperwork for them or, um, or, you know, maybe they use one thing that isn't on the organic, uh, list. Um, I mean, 
I don't want to get into it too much, but there's lots of right. flawed pieces of the organic oh, system, even yeah, in Canada, right? So, yeah. um, I, I mean, I don't think there's, uh, there's a solid answer to that. Uh, I don't think it means don't support it either. Cause a lot of people take that to mean that you shouldn't even buy organic and, right. and that that system is so flawed. So, um, I think, I think the system is still sorting out how to, how to navigate this and how yeah. to best, um, how, could provide consumers with the opportunity to make an informed choice. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. It's not cut and dried and, and I wouldn't say always 100% organic. I would rather have that relationship with the person that yeah. grew my food yeah. and, and know what they use. And if they're feeding it to their family, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good validation for me that it's high quality food. Yeah. And I mean, when we're talking about sustainability, we're not just, we're not just talking about health, right? We're also talking yeah. about economics. So when yeah. you buy from uh, your local farmer down the road, a hundred percent of the money that you buy is going back to that farmer right. versus when you're buying from California or Mexico or something like that. There are so many people into like that get that food from California to your house, uh, between transportation and packaging and, um, and then the, the resale of it. So at the grocery right. store, the distribution, all of it. Right. So the, the, the end result that goes to that farmer, um, is not very much, uh, versus, uh, again, sustainability. We want sustainability of our system. Yeah. And, and I think, I think COVID has really brought this to light yeah. because when we saw the distribution, distribution challenges and we were walking around the grocery store and you know there were things that were uh you know totally sold out like you couldn't buy Just whatever get it. yeah uh, I mean and there, it wasn't just it was I mean the the news media really focused on the toilet paper and right. that kind of stuff but if you looked around the vegetable section as well there were there were big gaps yeah and I mean I know someone personally who works for um Loblaws at the level of you know coordinating food getting to all of the centers across Ontario and there were some challenges it, it didn't really hit the media but uh I mean we could see it in the grocery store there was yeah. like huge gaps Gaps. And so um, why was that? Well, it was because of COVID being making things more difficult with the transportation, right? It wasn't right. that the food didn't exist. Right. Um, it, it wasn't that the grocery store wasn't operating. It was that the ability to get it from A to B was the challenge, right? Right. So yeah. when you support someone down the road um, and you and you give them enough money to like have an income and continue to exist, yeah. uh, which is often the problem in Canada, right? Is that yeah. a lot of farmers aren't making enough income um, to be able to uh, to be able to continue to operate. Yeah. And, exactly. and the other part of that is that the aging population of farmers in, in Canada, right. they're all getting older and, and because there's so little money in it that people don't want to get into it, right? Because right. it's not... Um, I mean, I even found myself, like we moved to this 11 acre piece of land and we didn't necessarily have a plan to be farmers, but we were toying with the idea of like, I don't know, maybe doing something that would generate some income. And it's just been too hard to justify investing into that um, right. when, um, you know, we have full-time jobs that yeah. pay. Yeah, and it's not fees. easy work either. And it's not easy work. Exactly. So uh, I mean, maybe we'll get there again. Our issue is that we have small kids on right. top of all these things. So yeah. you need them to get big enough to help. help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Or to just play on their own. Even that would be, (laughs) I'd take that. (laughs) Okay. So I think we covered the the benefits of the sustainable food system for the economy a little bit, the local economy, right? Um, For health. Yeah. Um, and for the environment, as far as transportation, is there any other points that you wanted to make about those benefits for that sustainable food system? Um, no, I think that I think that we covered that. that. Okay, so let's talk about how. How do we do that? So we talked a little bit about it, like looking at where your food comes from, um, yeah. making an a, a arrangement with a local farmer. What other things would you suggest for people, especially if we're talking about the student population? Um, that are maybe living on their own for the first time, or maybe they're in residence. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, this year with COVID, a lot of them are still living at home, so they don't maybe even have control of, of their shopping habits, but you know, if they can put some yeah. bugs in the ears about things. So how would you, how would you recommend someone starts you know, eating more sustainably? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways. Um, I mean, one thing with institutions, um, I think, I think that a lot of institutions uh, are are starting to support more local farms as well in terms of the food that they buy and make into the food that's sold on campus. So, I mean, obviously, that's a bit less relevant uh, during COVID when most people are not going to campus nearly as much, if at all. Um, But I mean, like you said, there are still people in residence, so they're having to eat, and COVID isn't going to last forever. so I think that we can help put pressure on our institutions to, to support those local systems more. Um, definitely. And that doesn't really cost anyone anything, right, to put that effort in. But, you know, sometimes institutions need to know that that's important to the local population, uh, the student population. So um, there's no cost to that at the time, yes, um, but, uh, but no cost. And then, um, of course, uh, yes, making a relationship with your local farmer is amazing. We can't always do that, um, and not directly as well, uh, but, you know, you could there are popping by a local farmer's market. Uh, we were chatting earlier about the opportunities that have come through COVID to actually buying online, yeah. pre-purchasing, and then you could either pick up or even in some areas there's delivery, um, you know, get it delivered right to your door, order online from your local farmer or from your local farmer's market where they right. sort of bring all the products together from the different um, members. There's lots of businesses like that that are popping up, especially from COVID. So. Uh, I think it's important to try and tap into that and pay attention because things are really changing right now. And I think this is like, if COVID has brought anything positive, um, I think some of these things are going to stick around uh, afterwards because I think it's shown um, farmers that they can, you know, I mean, not all, this doesn't speak to all farmers, but you know, the, the idea uh, that farmers are not tech savvy and right. um, all of that. I mean, I think there has been an element of that being true. Sure. Um, but I think that some of them have like been able to step over that hurdle or there's been mechanisms in place to help incorporate those farmers into yeah. the systems, um, whatever that, whatever that takes. Um, so there's definitely that. And then there's lots of grocery stores supporting uh, local as well. So even if you can't, uh, I mean, even if you go to, no frills or you go to yeah. um, 
Sobeys or whatever it is. Um, you know, if you look around and if you're choosing apples, uh, you know, there's, there's local apples there or there's ones that are brought in from far away. So even just choosing um, the more local varieties uh, can often, um, you know, make an impact. And it doesn't feel like it in the moment, but, um, you know, I always like to reference that as every time we make a choice, we're essentially putting a vote for what system yeah. we want to see. Voting with your and wallet so, is the way I yeah. call it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I mean, people often say, well, you know, my, I'm spending so little on the system, but you know, there is really a collective movement towards this. And so a lot of farmers, uh, you know, are doing a lot better because of the local food movement uh, yeah. that has been around now for a long time, um, but, uh, you know, is growing and growing. So it's, uh, it is, it, it, it does make an impact. So don't tell right. yourself that it doesn't. Yeah. And recognizing too that you might, so if you're at the grocery store and there are local apples and there are apples shipped from someplace far away, it's quite possible and maybe even probable that the, the ones shipped from far away are cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so then it comes down to, okay, am I going to choose to pay more yeah. for the local to vote for the local yeah. recognize that the system that brought those cheaper apples here is broken and it's doing much more damage. We're paying for that in a lot of other ways. Yeah, definitely. And that's what the, the externalities that I was mentioning before, that's sort of the economic term to it is that it doesn't, these, the, these costs, cause they are costs, uh, but they don't get factored into the price of the, of the apple. But um, but again, I think that, you know, eventually we're probably going to see a change in that because, uh, you know, as governments step up to, um, you know, uh, try to lessen the impacts of climate change, that this is the way that they're doing it is they're taxing things that are more expensive to the overall environment, right, in order to help encourage people to make choices that are more sustainable, right. so that the apple coming from far away is more expensive and it reflects that there's all these extra costs yeah. um and so yeah i mean it's uh, it's not easy um but uh you know i think there are also there are other ways too uh to be able to gain impacts from this i mean i think there's a lot there's a lot of local food out there that even goes to waste just because the systems of distribution aren't set up right. so at the end of the season i really like if you're interested and you don't have a lot of funds, I think there's still a lot of opportunity to be able to um, access local food. Uh, you know, just, I mean, it's a little bit too late now, but you know, about a month ago, I, I live in the country and I'm driving around and I see all sorts of, again, we keep talking about apples, but I see all sorts of apple trees on the side of the road. There's even like in areas like on land that it, no one owns and it's like municipal owned land and there's a huge apple tree filled with apples and they're falling to the ground and no one's collecting them. Right. right. So sometimes it's about being in tune with what's available and, and then seeking out the right sources. So the end of the, the growing season is a really, I mean, that's when the harvest comes in. And so if you can stock up at the end of the season, if you have a freezer, yeah. uh, you know, often farmers are practically giving away food at that point. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. And, and they can actually be quite inexpensive at that point, even compared to the local grocery store, it's sometimes even cheaper. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I think people often disregard 
oh, it's local, it's a farmer's market, it is just thereby more expensive, but it's not always the case. But yeah. I mean, I do recognize that uh, these sorts of things take a lot of time. Um, so, uh, you know, that is a huge factor. And right. people feel limited by their finances, which is often very legitimately um, a limiting yeah, of factor. Course. Yeah, and I, I like to just point out that it's an investment. It's, there's an investment in time. There's an investment in money. Yeah. But that investment has a pretty big return as far yeah. as the impact. Yeah, definitely. So the health impact is just how you feel in general, the environmental impact, the, the, the overall economic impact. Mm -hmm. So this is something that we can do to make a difference, right? To invest some time and money in the bigger picture. Yeah, of all of us moving towards a more sustainable environment. And, yeah. and, and even if you just make a friend who's growing food, even at a community garden, even if you're not the one growing it, you know, people often have extra. I mean, I, you know, one zucchini plant makes way more zucchini than any one, than one person, person can, eat. can eat. One zucchini plant. Right. So if you just have a friend that has a zucchini plant, like you could probably tap into that. Yeah. Yeah. You could probably have one person grows a tomato plant, one person grows a zucchini plant, yeah. one person grows, you know, a cucumber and you're set. You yeah. know, someone grows some lettuce. Yeah. <laughs> it really, I mean, sure that we're talking, this isn't going to feed a whole family for the whole year, but, no. but these, again, these little things do make a difference. And it, rather than like, if that zucchini is not getting eaten, it's probably going in the compost, right? Or, uh, I mean, we're getting fed to like pigs or something, which I mean, yeah. pigs need to eat too, but they can eat other things. <laughs> that, yeah. And that zucchini, I, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Edible Even food for humans, if yeah, if we can get that distributed, I mean, we have such a problem with that food distribution of yeah. you know, people in the world being hungry, people yeah. even in our local environment being hungry. Yeah. Um, and it's not because there isn't enough food, at least yeah. you know, from that perspective, it's more of a distribution problem. Yeah, definitely. And there's even like, um, I mean, again, because I don't live in, in Kingston, I'm not as familiar with all of the opportunities there. But um, I mean, through the different places I've lived in Nova Scotia, in Toronto, in British Columbia, in Peterborough, um, I've always seen different gleaning organizations. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that term or if everyone would be, but um, where basically what they do is they try to connect. Uh, so gleaning is about you know about essentially harvesting unharvested food okay yeah that's and yeah and so um organizations that are usually volunteer run yeah. and they try to re they try to make relationships with different people who have food uh growing you know whether or not it's a like a pear tree that they don't they can't possibly eat all the pears off of one tree because they're all ripe at the same time yeah. and so um often what will happen is uh, you know you get a call out i'm on, i think i'm on the facebook group for the local one here and uh i mean again i have my own land so i don't necessarily tap into it but i like to just pay attention to what's going on and it's like okay there's you know, there's a whole field of broccoli that is too small and can't go to market. And so everybody jumps on a bus and goes to this broccoli farm. And I, I think there's some kind of mechanism for how much each person gets to keep, how much gets donated to the food bank. You know, I mean, each organization has their own setup of how they do it. But again, this is free. It, uh, you don't even have to develop the relationship. All you have to do is pay attention to that one source and then you can tap into that. And it's, yeah, um, 
so it's not so much about the money. Um, yeah. I have than... a friend that does that in Ottawa. She goes and picks pears and apples just in someone's backyard, right? Yeah. Because it's dropping, yeah. it's dropping fruit and it's going to go to waste if someone doesn't totally. pick it. So there's totally. volunteers that go pick that and then donate it to the food bank and keep some themselves. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes you can, even, you can even create your own relationships. When I used to live in Toronto, I used to, I randomly found uh, I don't, I might've been searching for it cause I was that, uh, focused on this at the time. I don't have that much time anymore. Um, but I, um, I knew it was like grape harvesting season and I wanted to make grape juice. And so I started looking on Kijiji for someone I'm like, someone's got, it's Toronto, right? So yeah. everything happens in Toronto. Right. Uh, and so I found someone who had posted on Kijiji, wow. uh, that had, too many grapes and couldn't harvest them in their backyard just like in some little neighborhood yeah. and so me and a friend we didn't even have a car we rented a car to because it was because the amount of grapes we were getting was worth it right for like a, wow. you know it was probably one of those car share programs where you just do a couple hours or whatever so we drove over there collected like like probably four bushels of grapes out wow. of this this backyard and then processed it into grape juice and grape jelly and nice. uh, you know all the things I will say some of it went rotten but we tried very hard right. to right. to do it all so and I think he did ask for like 20 bucks or something like right. that but um I mean More anyway fun. they were just going they were going to go bad in his backyard because yeah. he didn't want them I think his grandparents like it was like yeah it was like his grandparents they had and and it was covering a trellis so he didn't want to cut them down because it was providing shade in the summer right um but then once the grapes start going ripe they're falling down or there's you know it's attracting wasps and things like yeah, that right. so, of course yeah anyway i guess i guess the whole point of that long drawn out way of saying this point is that you know there's really innovative innovative ways yeah. to get local food and so um i think that especially for students where um, students are often on a limited budget it, it can it can actually work out okay if you can if you can um, sort of, you know, focus on creating a situation right. um, that that isn't isn't limited by finances. Right, and there's tons of community gardens in Kingston too. Yeah, of course, growing your own food is another great option. Um, and I mean, yes, community gardens are often the go-to, but I also like to bring it back to like you could grow your own sprouts in your apartment. Yeah. It has no sun. You right. don't even need sun for sprouts. Right. So you just need a spot on your counter to hold a jar or even in your cupboard because it could be in your cupboard. You might forget about it in your cupboard, but I would put it on your counter just so you don't forget. Right. Uh, they need to have water every day, but yeah. you can grow sprouts. Yeah, and that's super easy. And you can buy sprout seeds. <clears throat> Grocery stores sell them. Health food stores sell them. <clears throat> you just throw so them in a cheap. jar, rinse them yeah, off. A little piece. Totally. A little piece of, uh, what's that cloth, the cloth over top. Yeah. yeah. Or and, even uh, just mesh. Like I've just used yeah. a, just a piece of mesh from a lemon bag or something like yeah. anything like that, that you can use to strain the water out. Totally. You could probably even use a coffee filter if you really want it. Yeah. Um, I have not tried that, but, uh, anyway. And there are tons of nutrition in sprouts too. Exactly. Exactly. So there's so many different ways and, uh, uh, and it's just about, it's just about sorting out what works for your situation. Yeah, so. exactly. Okay. I think we've covered our main points here, growing our own yeah. food, where to shop, kind of what to look for. 
um, that whole local food movement. I just wanted to talk, this is the textbook from the course that you teach, Locavore. Yep. You still like this textbook? Is there another yeah, one that you like? I do like that textbook. You know, I, I mean, to be honest, every year I'm like, oh, because it's getting a little bit older. It's from 2010, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. But uh, so I, I mean, I've reached out to so many publishers to try and find a new textbook just because I want something with a bit more local or sorry, rel uh, recent data in it. Right. But honestly, that book is so good. Um, it's written, um, it's really accessible. It's really interesting. Yeah. It's not written like a boring textbook. It's also very affordable. I like yeah. that. It's Canadian, exactly. So um, I have yet to be able to find one that I feel like can replace that textbook. So yeah. I, I still recommend it. I think it's yeah. great. I think I thought it was it's good inspiring too. too. Um, but it really does highlight the problems in the food system as well. Yeah, um, I liked so. it a lot. Mm -hmm. This is a book that um, that I've recently um, purchased and supported. This is a two people from the US, Rob Wolf, who's a nutrition expert, kind of paleo keto guy, actually, that I, I learned a lot about nutrition from him. He's a CrossFit nutrition guy originally. Uh -huh. um, and Diana Rogers, who's a registered dietitian and also an organic farmer. Okay, I haven't read it. So it's pretty new. And they also have a documentary that, that will be, it's available now for viewing. I'm not sure where you can view it. It's not on Netflix. Um, I'd have to look and see which platforms have it, but if someone wants to Google that, I'm sure you can. And, and the, the basis behind the book and the documentary is about a regenerative, sustainable food system and how it's, it's not necessarily meat that's bad for us. It's how we're raising our meat. It's how we're farming our meat. Um, so, and, and a lot of science, like really science-based, they're talking about the regenerative sustainable food systems when they, these things are in place in parts of the world and showing how beneficial they can be like just having plots for grazing and then moving cattle or livestock from one plot to another to allow that grass to regenerate mm -hmm. so they're not grazing on a huge you know and, and eating all that grass and making it barren and so and and actually they're showing that cattle can be carbon not just carbon neutral carbon negative so they can trap carbon. So this whole idea that cattle are so bad for the planet, they're really challenging that with some solid science. So if anyone's interested in diving into that topic, which is a huge topic right now, I'd really recommend looking at sacred cow. Um, so anything you want to just close with or add on eating sustainably or how to, how to make it work or where to start maybe? Maybe one tip on where to start? One tip on where to start. Um... I mean, uh, maybe just like picking one thing for your, like one change, right? So what's one, uh, one food that is in season right now um, and, that, uh, and that you could support? So, I mean, lots of uh, squash, uh, you know, buy one squash from the grocery store that is nearby or from a local farmer, pick it up at a farm stand, um, or some apple cider. There's lots of apple cider right now, uh, rather than buying juice, uh, you know, so make, maybe just try and make one substitution this week, yeah. uh, learn and, and maybe try and make it new, right? So pick somewhere new that, um, isn't too far out of your way. Yeah, and can introduce idea. you to something. Yeah. Um, so we're recording this. I'll just mention this. We're recording this early November. So by the time this actually airs, it oh, okay. could be December. Okay. So 
So it's trickier through those winter months, obviously, to eat local. I mean, we live in Canada, so not growing in that in that season. Yeah. I mean, you can still get Ontario potatoes, like the root vegetables, right? Like you can still find organic carrots, organic beet. They're not organic, sorry, local, local beets, local carrots, local potatoes, probably into December, you think? Oh, definitely. Definitely. There are actually winter CSAs that exist that only offer winter, like they grow food all summer and don't sell it. And they store it in order to sell it in the winter when it's not as accessible. There are so many options. I actually, so um, when I first started teaching the field to fork course before it was part of the regular college um, diploma program, and it was just the continuing ed program. um, It was also online and it it tended to attract people from across the country. Even there were people in the States and occasionally in Europe that would take the course. And so, uh, I mean, I will say I actually learned a lot about food systems all across, mostly it was across Canada, but so one of the projects that I had early on, um, uh, as opposed to an essay was I had students try and eat a hundred percent local for a week. It was a big task. Um, I let them have like, you know, five things uh, that they, you know, sometimes oil or coffee or chocolate, whatever your, whatever your, uh, your need is, Uh, they can define that themselves. So anyway, but then do a hundred percent local. So I had a student who was in the Yukon and it was winter and she was like, like, she was like, how, she's like, I want to do this. Like, do you think I could? And I was like, try it right like try and so it was actually so fascinating to read her report because she ended up bartering for like local meat like I think she was eating seal meat and caribou and like a whole bunch of stuff and so I mean also when it comes to local in the winter like if you if you do eat meat that is an option for you know more focusing your diet locally because yeah. meat is often frozen and yeah. and so I think that's I actually really used to enjoy it. I think that assignment I had to take it out once uh, just because it's a bit too much for I think regular college students who have like a way bigger course load than the the students that I had from the continuing ed but it was a really fascinating project that opened up people's eyes to what was available locally. Like there are, there's local flour, there's local quinoa, there's lo- I mean, in Ontario, there's local oil, you yeah. know, you can get all of these things local. Um, so we always tend to limit ourselves by thinking about vegetables not being available, but um, also apples last all winter. They're yeah. still like they're put into storage. Um, uh, people have figured out how to keep those, uh, those fruits all year round so um, I mean when you're buying apples in June they're not ready yet on the trees so those are apples from the previous year Um, and so people don't understand that too yeah like what's in season at a certain time of the year yeah exactly so I think it's I think it's way more possible and just doing a bit of research really gets you uh, a lot further ahead in terms of realizing what's possible for your area and not and and not just like Kingston as a whole but your community within that yeah absolutely okay thank you so much for joining me I really appreciate the chat I hope yeah I hope some people get some good pointers from that um so if you want to follow SA voice podcast you can do that on YouTube Instagram SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, all the places that you find podcasts, you can follow along for more great content. So thanks, Jessica. Have a great day. Great. Thank you. Bye.